thing that really took me to the next level when I was, tw- I just turned 21. So this is three and a half, three, three and a half years ago. And I was uh, doing, selling some deals off to a guy in our market named Toro, who's like the, runs big events. He just ran an event with Kiyosaki and Kim McElroy in Arizona with like 1400 Jeez. people. And he called me and he goes, hey, I need you to send me 10 grand. Um, and I was like, for what? He's like, well, Brandon Turner's throwing his uh, mastermind in Hawaii, his first one ever, and I want you to come. And I was like, dude, at that time, 10 grand just for an event. That was, that, was, that was before flights, before hotels, before food. That was a $20,000 trip. And I, I didn't have a ton of money. I mean, for the first couple of years of my business, I was paying myself very minimally trying to get it off the ground. I spent 50% of my net worth probably on that trip. And that I probably made on my $20,000 investment, uh, 100x return by the people I met. And I think concepts you learn by being around people who are at a, just a whole nother ball game than you. People don't fail at real estate because they suck. They fail because there's too many ways to succeed. That's why I suggest you focus on the most important skill in all of real estate, which is finding deals. I'm Colbert Johnson, and in this podcast, I share the exact steps I've used to source 400 deals by age 24. This will allow you to do three things, control your deal flow, make unlimited income, and build your empire as an off-market operator. Cole, we got you on here, man, from SoCal in San Diego. How are you doing today, man? Doing good, fellas. Doing good. Thanks for having me on. Forward to it. So Cole, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so I got into, uh, this is a real estate podcast, so I got into real estate when I was 18. I uh, I went down to play basketball in college um, at a school in LA, and I'd gone down there. I'd done Running Start in high school, which um, if you guys listen to Running Start, essentially, they don't have it in every state, but it's where you take your, your junior and senior year of high school and you do classes on a college campus. You get a bunch of credits. So I went into college with two years done, um, didn't have to live in the dorm, got to skip all that, lived with a buddy. And I was there in business class and I was like, man, this is just, I love playing basketball, but I can't sit here any longer. Um, I had that entrepreneurial itch. I wanted to go try it. And uh, so I thought to myself, I made myself a deal. I said, since I already have two years done of college, I'm going to give myself two years to try to figure this thing out. Um, and if I can't figure it out in two years, then um, A, I'm going to go back to school and still be in the same grade as my peers or B, it's going to work out and I'm going to keep rolling with from there. So my first step was, um, getting licensed. So I, uh, that summer after my first year down there, I got licensed state of Washington as a realtor and I hated being a realtor. I was probably the worst realtor of all time, sitting um, open houses and showing houses and all the shit that goes with that. It was just not fun. I hated it. wasn't good at it. Didn't really put an effort in it, but I bounced around to three, four or five brokerages. And finally, like the fifth brokerage, they had another arm of their company where they were doing auctions. So they were taking, uh, they were bringing in investors every single um, midweek, I think it was like Wednesday night, every single Wednesday night, they'd bring in like a hundred investors into their office and I'd sit in on these meetings and they'd kind of pre-sell them auction properties for the week and they'd build in their fee. So they'd, they'd kind of know what's coming to auction that week and they'd have them bid on it beforehand and take checks for their buyers to the auction and make their 10, 12, $15,000 fees. And I was like, that's an interesting concept. Um, a lot of these guys are just sitting behind their computer and that's kind of my skill set. I'm a systems marketing behind the scenes guy. I'm not on the phones. Um, I do quite a bit of social media and events and stuff, but for the most part, I'm pretty introverted. And so I love that. And I, then I, the next day, um, I was at Applebee's um, eating a two for 20 with a buddy and we were sitting at dinner and I, something on my Instagram pops up. It was this guy, local guy who's young, two years older than me. I was 19. He was 21. Pops up. It's 40. He was on his Instagram. Like, look at this $40,000 wholesale assignment fee, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, if that guy can do it, I can probably figure it out. So what year was this Cole? Let's see. I'm 24 now. So that was about five years ago. That was probably 2017. um, End of 2017, the winter, right? But like October to November, December. And so we got after it right away. The next day I was living at home at the time. My parents had this kind of attic room. So me and my buddy, Paul, who was my old business partner, we sat up there and dialed 
the phone ourselves off of, off a of Google sheet, you know, highlighting leads green who are interested, red who are not, yellow who are maybe. And we grinded in there until we got our first deal. It took a couple months and that first deal was um, 105 grand. Mm. Uh, that's that was my okay i'm not going back to school moment and from there you know obviously you, you go through the normal entrepreneurial struggle of okay how do i make this consistent and how do i you know systematize this and from there all the struggles and fun began but that was my that was my intro and kind of my path in to learn about the off-market game and really a big part of where i am right now so where'd you learn so you said you saw someone that's 21 is that person still in business I'm not sure. I don't talk to them too much. I'm sure they're still doing deals in Washington uh, here and there. Gotcha. I didn't learn from them. I just saw them post a check. And then from there, I uh, YouTube a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I had some real estate background. I was licensed, so I understood the terminology. Yeah. So I bought some courses. I went to an event or two um, and learned about cold calling. Hired a virtual assistant in the Philippines to cold call like everyone else does with roosters in their background. And yeah. um, <laughs> well, we just, just stacked a deal upon a deal and kept paying for more mentorship and coaching. And then um, I would say... Yeah, it took us a year, year and a half to get real traction, which I consider, you know, consistent deal flow every month to month. But yeah, that was uh, how I got started. The, the same old place everyone else does, YouTube, university, uh, podcasts, and going to events. Yeah. Kind of a, so, so, so that was 2017. So can you give us a little bit of uh, what you're doing now as a whole, just so everyone can kind of understand the where you've gone? And so the Absolutely. Time? So, so now, so in 2017, I started a business and ran that for about two years with a partner. We split in 2019, so 2019 to now. Our top sales guy, um, who's now my, became a partner, so he runs our whole sales team. So now we're running an, an off-market real estate shop in Washington. We we normally will do eight to 12 deals a month, so we land right around 170, 200 deals a year in Washington, and that's a mix of flipping and wholesaling, but primarily wholesaling. Um, and so we're we're on pace to do about two five this year in, uh, in revenue just on the wholesale side alone. Um, then flip on top of that, some other stuff we do as well. But that's that's our thing. We have virtual and in-house in that business. We have about 42 now, 42 now employees um, across you know virtual assistants combined with in-house people. And I do some other stuff as well. I own a call center with about 110 employees now. I'm a quarter owner of that. Out of Egypt. Nice. One of my, my two main things. What's the so what's your wholesale to, to flip ratio? I mean, we only flip super, super nice, easy yeah. stuff. So if I, yeah, Washington's yeah. brutal on permitting and everything. So if we can yeah. get out in three months, we'll flip it if it's super this easy. Spokane? Uh, no, this is more more wet. We do do a lot of wholesaling in Spokane, but this is more west side stuff. So we're in the main Seattle three counties, which yeah. is Snohomish, Pearson King, where we're touching stuff. Yeah. Otherwise, nice. we just honestly hate flipping. Yeah, I like, yeah. I like wholesaling. There's no risk and it's super scalable. And every time I call one of my buddies, it's a volume flipper. They They seem to hate their life. Yeah. <laughs> that's a yeah. fact they're always stressed out yeah. every time i talk to them realtors and flippers always stressed out the only, the only people i ever meet that are really happy with their business and real estate are people who run like at scale wholesale operations where they truly have a team and infrastructure and um that's when it's, that's fun to me um i like the team building side more than i like the in terms of internal team rather than going finding contractors and doing that whole dance that that's not very yeah. Uh, enticing to me yeah for I sure i agree with you for sure I like that. So, so you said you got a call center. You said you run some events and stuff too. I think. Do you do you have like an education side or stuff going on over there? Yeah, yeah. So that kind of came about just uh, guys in my market. Like I never wanted to be an educator. It didn't interest me. Um, all the people I'd met that were in the education space um, had kind of done it because that they needed a revenue stream because their business wasn't producing revenue. So they understood the concepts and they could share the concepts with people. Um, so I never wanted to do that. That kind of came about. A couple guys in my market kind came to us said, "Hey." We want to learn what we do, what you guys do. So we threw out a number like, uh, pay us this and we'll show you come to our office. And then from there, I, I, I figured, I found out I loved it. So I love working with newer 
wholesalers and investors on that. So yeah, we do quite a bit. We do an in-person event every quarter or two. Probably skip one now because it's those events are uh, very time consuming. But we like to do in-person events. Just twenty to forty people. Uh, we can get them in a nice. We, we do them at houses. Um, so the last one was at a house, the movie theater. So we got everyone in the theater for three days and just jam packed the full info. And then, uh, yeah, the call center. So the call center I started three years ago, and then I've been adding on partners to scale it. And yeah, now we're uh, we have clients just about in every state. Um, we work with a lot of hedge funds, a lot of a lot of bigger clients who are two, three, four hundred caller clients that are doing it at scale. So and that, it helps too because you can kind of see. I think we all get so stuck in our own world. The amount of clients we work with on that business, you know, we can you can see how big this this game can be taken. I mean, there's guys that are truly employing 400 cold callers for just their business, um, and all they're doing is off market real estate. So that's been a cool kind of perspective shift to see where you, where you can take this stuff. That's what I think is the coolest thing about wholesaling is the barrier of entry is, is pretty low, uh, but the ceiling is also like it's insane. And and most most businesses it's harder to break into. This business you can really. I mean, I've seen it time and time again in our coaching group. I'm sure you guys have too as well, where someone comes their first month and make a few cold calls, they get a forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollar check. It's just it's a it's an insane business. Sick, yeah. It's awesome. So, yeah. I mean that you got a hundred and five K deal for your first deal. That's nuts. That's yeah. insane. Yeah, I thought so I was, was uh, I thought I was retired at that point. You're an eighteen hundred and five grand and uh, you know, we had some stuff come off the top of that, uh, paying people yeah. out. But yeah, I thought it was I thought I figured yeah. it out. <laughs> you like like the moon, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy so i think one thing you mentioned right there is like you bought a bunch of education do you feel like that was like one of the big things that kind of like propelled you up pretty quick because obviously you've had a lot of success super fast at a young age yeah i think there's a the quickest way i mean ultimately i think if you have the skill set and you have the determination you're going to get to the same point in this business whether you figure it out on your own or you pay someone it's just about skipping steps quicker so um, that's what education always been for me like a lot of people get to a certain point in their business too and they'll say hey i do more revenue than that person i'm not going to pay that person for education but i mean the way i look at it we we, we spend as much as we can on education so even still, even if a company's smaller than us, because usually what got company A to a million, two million, three million in revenue is something different that they're good at than what we're good at. So, like, mm-hmm. what, what got us to over two million in revenue is we just built a call center. We're really, really good at cold calling and running that funnel. So, the more people we go and see, usually cold calling is not the thing that got them to two million dollar business. Usually, they're really, really good at sales training, which we are too now. They're really, really good at paperclip. They're really, really. There's some other aspect of their business that's gotten them to that point. So, uh, I mean, we we maximize education all we can. I, I did when I first got started, and we still do. Um, we fly all over the country and meet people who are doing less similar and more revenue than us to just you know meet more people, get more ideas because a business is truly only as good as the ideas within it. So, and that usually caps out over and over again. So the, the more eyeballs I can get, even in other industries, it's really cool to go get under other industries perspectives on our business. And yeah, it's uh, been the number one thing that's taken us to another level. Yeah. I like that. I, I like the idea of like going just to, I think um, you have, if you're familiar with Hermosi, I'm sure you've probably watched some of his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's yeah. like talks about, he's like, Hey, this guy. Yeah. yeah. If you haven't like, come on, <laughs> but yeah. He yeah, paid this like, guy, like, you know, just to learn how to do ads or whatever. He's like, I just want one-on-one training. He's like, this dude yeah. does less than me or whatever, but I just want to master yeah. it. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's pretty the smart. That really, the thing that really took me to the next level when I was, tw- I just turned 21. So this is three, and a half, three, three and a half years ago. And I was uh, doing, selling some deals off to a guy in our market named Taro, who's like the, runs big events. He just ran an event with Kiyosaki and Kim McElroy in Arizona with like 1,400 Jeez. people. But he's a Washington-based guy. And uh, I got to know him pretty well. Became friends and he calls me one day and I, I didn't have a ton of money. I mean, for the first couple of years of my business, I was paying myself very minimally trying to get it off the ground. Um, and he called me and he goes, Hey, I need you to send me 10 grand. Um, and I was like, For what? He's like, Well, Brandon Turner's throwing this uh, mastermind in Hawaii, his first one ever. And I want you to come. 
and they were co-hosting it and i was like dude at that time 10 grand just for an event that was, that was that was before flights before hotels before food that was a twenty thousand dollar trip i probably had forty thousand dollars in my name and uh you know sold my sold some bitcoin probably at the time i don't remember got the money and i went and uh i spent 50 percent of my net worth probably on that trip and that i probably made on my twenty thousand dollar investment a hundred x return by the people i met and I think concepts you learn by being around people who are at a, just a whole nother ball game than you. So that's what I tell people. They come to me and they're like, oh, your $200 a month program is so expensive or your this is so expensive. I'm like, you guys got to think like, like I, I, I told them that story. Like I truly put half of all the money I had. That wasn't even a wholesaling focused event. That was just to get around ideas and Those people, yeah. And how Pineda people, was there, right? Who else was there? Yeah, that was, I met Pineda there. Yeah, before he got, before he was Pineda, right? When he, yeah, was, yeah. he was just in that meeting, we, you do have activity called a Vivid Vision, which is our event. It's still my favorite activity. And you sit there, we all sit in a room, we find different spots for 30 minutes. You write out, you know, uh, you write three years, five or 10 years in the future, but you write it like it's current. And his was all about my social media is this, I have this many followers, this many events, and everything's came through from that. Same for what I was, most people in that room, Brandon Turner now owns 680 million in assets for his yeah, open door capital fund. That didn't exist three years ago when we were doing those divisions in Maui. So uh, seeing that stuff, um, like that's that's the thing that's the biggest way you scale this is the conversation that's why i think the podcast is so big because you guys talk to people every week or however often you do it and you get new ideas so anyone that's listening i would say um unless you're doing it doing it and you have a couple million in the bank and you you're really starting to figure it out other than that you need to be spending money on on uh, learning from other people even then like i guess it just depends on your goals too it's like if your goal is a billion or a hundred million you only got a million in the bank you're broke yeah it's fast but do so at that event like you went you're with brandon turner a bunch of other pretty you know high players now what were some of the things that were like that big like door that was opening for you like the the, the things with the dots i mean there's a lot of them i mean i think the number one way i looked at it is how i started i really started looking at my wholesaling company like a business because when you first get started you do a couple of deals you just get so caught up in the day-to-day -day of get a check do more cold calling you get so stuck in the business and that's why most entrepreneurs never scale anything because they get so stuck in the business so it was really seeing how these guys thought about business like they, they looked at my company right because we did a hot seat they looked at my company and said here's what this can be right there's a guy named charles mckinney there who is a own certain lending and he i had some dinners with him after that event he was like you know i think you know you realize this thing can be something where you take it and you get so good at property acquisition that you build a massive portfolio um, and you sell it off to a black son or a company like that and there's guys that i've met since who have done that so you just start thinking about what it can be and these guys just think big and they operate quickly so when they have an idea they operate on it right away and they either a lot of them fail but the ones that go through and that's that's why you see guys makes progress so quickly um, obviously as your team grows it's easier to do that but they have an idea and the one thing i noticed about all those guys there that are worth tens of millions of dollars when they have an idea it's it's implemented right away you know if, like I, I was just in cabo at another one of these things and um uh, i was having breakfast with someone who's has done very well for himself older guy and i i threw him an idea he's like hmm i want maybe if i can implement that he calls while we're at breakfast he calls his accountant says hey i want to do this and hangs up the phone like, like so it's just that immediate action yeah um, action it, quick yeah mm -hmm. just right away and you just don't second guess it and a lot of it shits the bed but that's just the nature of the beast <laughs> Yeah, like that. Oh, yeah. Another thing, too, is like you brought up the fund idea. I think you mentioned that earlier, like these big funds, they're, they're 400 callers, call centers and cold call. I was thinking about that the other day, too. It's like, dude, that's like that's like kind of the future because like we're we're building a dispositions side out a lot more like we're adding on, you know, several agents over there. or We have two right now and we're looking at a third one. Just kind of build that out as we slow down on the back end. But, dude, there's so much capital raising opportunity on the back end with all these cash buyers, especially if they have their funds yeah. tied up and they don't want to put it in. Just thinking about, you know, 
you could give them a pref and a fund and start yep. buying a bunch of rentals, you yep. know. There's infinite ways to monetize the off market real estate game, right? That's where I think people get in trouble too, is they there's so many little um tracks to go down and uh, golden objects to chase that it's it's like I've seen it so many times. Guys have a decent business, like, oh, I want to go do commercial and they lose their main revenue stream and they yeah. uh, like our focus right now is to build this to uh, before i even look at anything i, I mean of course i want to build a port massive portfolio i want to do all that stuff but like my main thing right now is uh, how do we take Hellopad, which is our company um take it from 2.5 and 4x how do we become a 10 million dollar off-market company like what is what does that need to look like so that's been my main all my brain power goes there right now um i have some other projects like the call center but that's really like before i touch anything else is how does this become and i think to your point it's on the disposition side because you can turn marketing up you can hire more sales guys but i think the more as the market shifts um there's gonna be a lot of downward pressure on buyers hedge funds are going to freeze a lot of the wholesalers like us that are within the new in the game within the last eight ten years were hedge fund babies a lot of us right we uh <laughs> The hedge fund money, babies, even if we don't yeah. want to admit it. Yeah, yeah, the, the hedge fund babies. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we don't honestly in Washington is not that hedge fund rich, but markets like where you guys are, like we have a lot of students in Atlanta and Florida and Texas and Arizona. And I tell them over and over again the same message you guys got to beef up your dispo side and really become business operators and learn how to systemize and structure that because as the market shifts, buyer uh, downward pressure on buyers your fees are going to compress you're gonna have to do more volume and your hedge funds aren't going to be there to save the day every every time so it's already happening a lot of hedge funds two days before closing are coming to people in our groups people i've talked to saying hey i need 10 grand off this deal oh i buy boxes changed x amount of percent in the last week so um yeah i think yeah, we haven't signed a deal with a hedge fund probably in what probably since they froze i mean like four actually weeks. we just sold one i just signed it literally like right before this call with uh, a hedge okay, fund. so one but that's like one we were doing like 80 90 percent now it's like one out of yeah i think everyone should take advantage of it when they're in a buying frenzy i think they will continue to buy it's just in these weird periods of no one knows where the market's going to land as they keep raising rates or where we're going to land rate wise they kind of freeze up because they don't want to get caught with their pants down with a bunch of earnest money out um, yeah I, I know one builder in my market who's a big builder who um, walked away from like a million and a half in earnest money in the last month it tying up deals is risky because you know yeah, so if you're a good wholesaler you're putting non-contingent funds somewhere in your deal yeah yeah like even just like one like tiber canceled 200 contracts even if they you know put down two grand each that's what 400k right yeah, so the math. Good shit. yeah yeah that's I'm better than the alternative losing millions down the road yep so yeah that's what i mean that's what i think is the move is beefing up dispo obviously you keep training sales guys beef up marketing but i mean we're we're doubling down on our marketing internally right now we have 35 cold callers running every day um that's just that your calling. best source cold oh, for sure. yeah, we get a, we get a five five and a half x return on cold calling every single quarter like clockwork yeah nice. what else do what you do it? we do uh pay-per-click so we spend we cover the whole state of washington pay-per-click so we spend 10 to 15 grand a month on pay-per-click we spend 15 grand a month on tv ads um, in Washington, we do uh, some mail, some very, very just targeted mail. I've never been a big mail guy. Very targeted, probate, divorce, you know, some stacked lists on mail. Uh, we do texting, but texting is kind of shit the bed for everyone. Um, it's not a great thing to do right now, in my opinion. Um, so those are our main ones: TV, pay per click, cold calling, and uh, some very targeted mail. And then we're getting a lot of referral deals. Uh, starting to beef up our, our JV deal pipelines, getting pretty deep. Those, those are also great for us. But yeah, that's really our main. Uh, I, I think there's goal. a big opportunity on the JV side moving forward too. Oh, a lot yeah. of people, if you can, we Brand. head head front, you know, front the the buyers list. A lot of people aren't going to be able to sell their deals anymore because they don't have the funds or whatever. So 
it's a pretty big opportunity moving forward. Yeah. If you can really set yourself apart in terms of how you run deals, then like that's what we're doing. So we'll take a deal. Our transactions team will run it and like essentially has it as it would be an, an in-house deal, but for them. And we try to make that experience super enjoyable. So people keep coming back because that's it's free revenue. So you said you, you know, just since we're mainly focused on wholesale here, what's like a, like a high level, you said you guys dialed in the cold call process. Like, is there like a, something you feel like you guys do differently that makes y'all more successful than most people? We just, we treat it like a business. Most people who do cold calling, they look at it like a, a marketing, just, just marketing, but cold calling is really a marketing channel that has to be treated like its own business, right? You need managers for those callers and you need daily huddles for those callers. You need daily role play for those callers and you need quality assurance for those callers. Um, so that's how we have it built out. We just have a really good infrastructure in our call center and i kind of have the benefit of owning a call center so i have more say in how that goes down but that's the biggest thing is just making sure they're not sitting at home with roosters in their background in the philippines that they're really good english speakers level well you hear a lot of level 10 english speakers but really anything over like a level six no one will second guess that they're not in the states i like egypt all of our callers are in egypt our office is in egypt the philippines just it's doesn't convert it we test it side by side right now we have 10 and 10 callers, Philippines, about 30 in Egypt. And uh, we get about a three and a half X in the Philippines, about a 5.7 X last quarter in uh, Egypt. So substantially better in Egypt. And then it's just, yeah, it's every day tra training your cold callers like you would your sales guys because they're the first touch for your company. Um, it kind of sets the tone. So I think a lot of people just don't take it seriously. And that's what separates us for sure. And that's the same thing with every marketing, right? Pay-per-click, uh, anything you do in this business, if you, if you treat it like its own arm of the business, it ends up doing a lot better. Yeah, I like that. Sure. Yeah. You use for cold calling or you know, use call tools with dialers or are you guys using? So in our call center, um, we use Zencall. So it's ready mode now. I think gotcha. they changed our name to ready mode. Um, and then in-house, we do a mix. So we use some call tools in-house just because it has some integrations that Zencall doesn't uh, for some smaller stuff, some more targeted mm -hmm. stuff. But for the bulk of it, we're still on, on Zencall in-house as well. It's the easiest to use, the simplest. You yeah, don't I remember using them a while ago. What was that? Zen call. We used to use them a while ago, like when I first started, like 2018. You know, Carlos and Sal were blasting them. Yeah. All yeah. in dialer. All yeah. in dialer, baby. That's right. 90 bucks a seat. I like Zen call. What'd good. you do for texting, Cole? You said that, you know, what software did you use? So we've tried them all. Um, again, all of them have gone to 10 DLC. So if you guys are listening, I haven't tried, haven't read up on what 10 DLC is. It essentially makes you add an opt in uh, message as well as um, some other, you have to have a company name in your text, a few other things to get it through the carrier. So, Mm -hmm. We've always used Roar because um, Roar has some cool API integrations into our CRM as well. Stuff we built out that funnel, um, but it's gotten complicated because even them, the, as of this week, they've integrated last week. Sorry, ten DLC. So I'm not high on texting over the next six, twelve months. Um, personally, I mean, we still do it, but I don't think it's going to be a, a significant poor portion of our revenue. But in 2020, texting was like 70% of our revenue. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think they definitely are compressing a little bit, like Launch Control is who we use. I, I was talking to our marketing director today and she was like saying that they doubled the the cost of like basically to send a text and now it costs twice as much. Um, response rates a little bit lower. Like I think it's normally like 12 and now it's like nine and a half. So yeah, I think they're kind of compressing a little bit. Yeah, which my yeah, thought is like probably like, like SMS is 16x return for us this year off like yeah. 50k spend. That's beautiful. Doesn't get better so than that. And I think it does. I, I think SMS does crush it. Like, and, and a lot of market, like it's Atlanta's, you know, it's not a low price point market, but it's a lot lower than Seattle and LA and San Diego. So it's uh, like, I found because we have, so we do texting for call clients in our call center. Texting works great. Um, if you're not in a coastal market where the price points are lower for, I don't know what reason cold calling works better too. That way cost for leads, lower cost per contracts, lower cost per deals, lower. Well, yeah, some of it's so. like the competition too. Like, you know, usually like it makes up for on the deal size. Like we have a client in uh, California and like his deal size is, you know, like 35 oh, grand. 
Yeah, but, right, it's 36, you know, 36, 500. Yeah, it's nuts. exactly. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's a no brainer to spend, you know, five grand versus 2,500 for a deal or, you Absolutely. know, whatever it is. Yeah. But it, my, yeah, my thought with texting is like, it would probably compress to be similar cost per contract or cost per deal as like toll calling is. Yeah, because what's our cost per deal, Chandler? Since you run? Dude, it was like, it was like 1800 bucks, I think, cost per deal. That's amazing. Something yeah. Like so yeah, that. even if it doubles thirty six hundred, we're still you know what's our average thirty something. It's like TV, like we do TV ads, and it's like seventy five hundred eight grand, or actually no, the cost per deal is probably like nine or ten grand. Yeah, yeah. cost per contract is seven. Yeah, TV is expensive. Yeah, I thought I think on SMS it'll be a little a little less return than cold calling, just because there's a lot more regulation going. And people texting is very invasive for people. Um, so all the rules that are passing in all the courts for all the cell carriers, they're very aggressive on text marketing. Cold calling, yeah. there's not ton more they can do and what, what's happened with cold calling is they, they input all the spam filtering and people thought it was going to hurt cold call um contact rates but they've gone up and the reason why is because now people are getting spam calls and they answer and it's their doctor or it's their lawyer or it's someone important because they spam they're spamming everyone mm -hmm. um so now actually you're starting to see across our call center spam calls are being answered almost more often than non-spam calls hmm. and so our yeah, contact rates actually that. started to go, go up so it's kind of done the opposite of what the carriers thought it was going to do because kind of i had it happen to me yesterday uh we have a like we had a puppy and he just started doggy day camp and they called me from and it said spam likely and i answer and it's them so you have to answer spam calls yeah